Are you seeing things around you that need to be changed? Problems that need solutions? Things that are wrong? Well, when you see those things, there's an opportunity to do the hard work to create a solution. We're going to talk about how can you harness the wind in your world. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you know, I'm excited about jumping into this topic today because there's so many people who are identifying the problems, identifying things that are wrong. Hey, how about if we be part of the group who are creating solutions, making things better, coming up with ways that we can all benefit? You know, what do you do if you see a problem in your home? How can you create your own reality distortion field? What does it mean to tell the truth in advance? How can you overcome any fear you have? We're going to be unpacking those today in this edition Number 798 edition of the 48 Days Podcast. Well, our quotation today comes from James Allen, who said, the world steps aside for the man who knows where he is going. All right, just remember that. And our resource today is the Acres of Diamonds, the old story about a man who left where he was, traveled around the world looking for fame and fortune only to discover his opportunity was right in his own backyard. I want you to go through that again. It's a short little book, little ebook. We got free access for you. Just go to 48days.com slash acres. Acres, if you don't remember how to spell acres, when you were in the third grade in school, it's A-C-R-E-S. You know, I'm pretty conscious of spelling these days because I'm working on Spanish, taking Spanish lessons twice a week and reading, trying to get better at that. And well, the, the similarity between different languages is pretty amazing. And then all of a sudden you get a word that really doesn't make any sense at all. Well, anyway, there you go. 48days.com slash acres. Sometimes our greatest opportunity is right under our nose. Now, I want to go through some good news stories and the good news stories We'll roll right into what I want to talk about today. And that's how we see things that need to be done better and create solutions for them. So the good news stories are some examples of doing exactly that. Here's an inventor of hand-cranked washing machines who is now distributing the low-cost device to refugees. So this guy, his name is Nevat, created the Divya to allow those living in poverty to be able to wash their clothes more easily. And this says, and this is kind of hard to believe, it's thought that around 70% of the world's population does not have access to electric washing machines. That's hard to get your head around. Really? Yeah, sometimes we become so isolated by the, golly, the luxury, the abundance that we have, most of us, the way that we live, that we forget how much the world population still doesn't have some of the basic things that we see as necessities. 70% of the people in the world do not have access to electric washing machines. Well, anyway, so this guy was a graduate student in engineering, and he started developing. He really took a sabbatical, and while well, he was living in India, 
he met this lady. Her name was Divya, D-I-V-Y-A. That's the name of the little machine that he's created who spent a lot of her time, I mean, up to like 20 hours a week, washing clothes by hand. So he developed this little machine. It's very simply made as something that needs mass distribution has to be. So it's very easily made out of PVC, plastic, and wood, but put together. And now he's distributing these where they can put the clothes in there, turn the crank. Still, there's nothing electric about it. No electronic parts. It still has to be cranked by hand, but it makes the process of washing much more efficient and much quicker. Now he's distributing those. Now he's got backers, which is always what happens. You know, sometimes people, gee, I want to start a nonprofit. You know, I want to get people to give me money. Well, you do something that's really worthwhile and people will give you money willingly. People line up to connect their name with something that you're doing. Uh, That's always been the case. Well, here's another example. Malawi inventor lights up his whole village basically for free, starting with a bicycle and a river. Now this Malawi incidentally is a country in Africa. Africa has about 50 countries. So this is one over on the East coast. Pretty much it's not, it's not on the the water. It's landlocked, but it's a little tiny country, Malawi, very, very poor. So anyway, Thomas Edison said to invent, you need a good imagination and a pile of junk. So this gentleman's name is, again, I'm going to get, he's a young guy, Calred is his name, had all the junk he needed and the will to bring electricity to his small village in Malawi. And not only did, has he accomplished his goal, but now he's won an award from the Queen of England. So he used a repurposed corn shelling machine motor and a fast moving river and then just created a little electric turbine. First, he did some experimenting, put a bicycle in the river, and he saw how the current moved the pedals and how it might be able to turn that into power. Um, So he started putting together just junk that he had. Uh, His latest turbine has the potential to produce enough power to provide electricity to 1,000 homes. And he says now he can replicate what he's done there, you know, over and over. So here's a really, really poor town, a really poor country, but there's a river running through and somebody recognizes a moving river is power. It's potential power. It's hydropower. And so he was able to do that in the country where only 11% of the population has access to electricity. So having electricity is a game changer. I mean, kids who had to study by candlelight, but really couldn't even afford candles. Now they can study because they have access to light. And now they're going to be able to pass exams and move up. I mean, one of those things that can be a, a real game changer. Anyway, I love these kind of ideas. love these ideas. A few years ago, there was a book titled The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. I talked about that a lot. Um, at the time, my son, Jared, was living in Africa. And we talked about people there who see these basic kind of needs and just start producing things, coming up with solutions. So The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind was a a little boy who read about windmills. He dreamed of building one that would bring to his small village. Well, actually, he was in Malawi as well. But uh, he put together just parts out of a junkyard and made a little, essentially a little windmill that produced electricity, first just with one single light bulb in his own home, but then that expanded. And of course, he became a famous little boy in traveling around telling that story. 
Well, the old, the old proverb, you know, we've heard it, necessity is the mother of, of invention. And so when people see a need, I mean, that's always been the way it's done. I mean, way, way back when Plato wrote The Republic, massive work of his, he said, our need will be the real creator. Our need will be the real creator. That's been changed over time to kind of become the well-known proverb, necessity is the mother of invention. Back in February of 1888, John Dunlop purchased a tricycle for his son on his birthday. Now, those were the time of cobbled streets in Scotland. His son complained of having headaches while riding the cycle because of the uneven streets, the hard little bumps in it and all. So this gave his daddy, John, the idea of using an inflatable rubber tube to cushion the ride. Now, again, this is in 1888. Did we have rubber tires? No. He came up with the idea of a tube that would be round to go around where the wheel is, but it would be it would absorb some of the shock. That's what he did. Came up with the first pneumatic tube tire. He coined the term himself, pneumatic, and thus it started that. Now think about how much we just take that for granted. I mean, surely, think about the things that have rubber tires on them. I mean, if it's airplanes or, you know, the cars, trucks, all the things that we have that we just take for granted, well, it's always been there. No, somebody had to come up with that idea and invent it originally. Now, I, I love these kind of ideas, and I loved, even when I was a kid, I mean, like many of you, I'm sure, you know, having a bicycle being my primary toy, primary mode of transportation when I was, you know, six, seven years old. I took a piece of cardboard, bent it over the frame, hooked a clothespin on there to hold it, and then the cardboard would go through the, the spokes when I would ride, so it made a rumbling noise to make it sound cooler. Well, there was that that I did, but it was more than that that I wanted you know, I also talk about when I was about 12 years old, I got a copy of the little recording by Earl Nightingale titled The Strangest Secret. And I listened to that guy talk saying that, you know, we could have more, I could do more, I could be more by changing my thinking. And he said those six words have become a foundational principle for me then and remain so today. We become what we think about. And I started to think about how could I follow my imagination and do things that would somehow make things better. And so I'd take the bicycle apart. I found a little three-wheeled tricycle thing that had parts missing in the junkyard where we would often, I had access to a junkyard. It was owned by the, owned by the friend of my older brother. So I loved going to the junkyard, find parts that I bring them home and just make things that would work. And since we lived pretty far out in the town, or out in the country, it was outside of town, it was pretty uh, tough to get into town to see my buddies. And it was a long ride on my bicycle to do that up and down the hills. So I devised a way to turn our small Ford tractor into a makeshift hot rod. Now this, if you're mechanically minded, you might get what I'm talking about here. You may have a hard time understanding it, but a little tractor like that also has a power takeoff shaft, which is a shaft that turns, and that's what powers, like if you put a hay baler behind it or a bush hog, something like that, a mower, 
it's going to be powered by the power takeoff shaft. So I took the rear end assembly that I got out of a junkyard from a car, from an Oldsmobile car that had kind of a high gear ratio. And then I fashioned a power takeoff shaft that would go from that rear end to the rear end to the power takeoff shaft on the tractor and also a couple arms that I could just attach it to the tractor so it would stay there stationary. But then I would take the tractor and go as fast as the tractor was intended to go, take it out of gear and engage the power takeoff, which would then drive the that rear end with two wheels on the ground behind me, pushing the tractor much faster than it was intended to go. Not I just you know, see something that I want to have accomplished and then create something. So I wonder what, what have you done? You know, what have you done? What have you created out of necessity? While we're thinking about that, just reminding you, uh, we're talking about questions that come in. I've been challenged with some situations in conversations with people just recently about big things that need to be solved. And it just gets me thinking about these kind of solutions that come up that people always are able to come up with. And I want you to do the same. Well, if you got a question or a success story or resource you want to share, just send that in to askdan at 48days.com. Askdan at 48days.com. We had a recent uh, contest where I asked people to come up with a list of 10 things that would make the Eagles community better. Well, we've had an amazing deluge of suggestions that have come in, including one from Eric Johnson, a list of 48, not 10, but 48. Took the number 48 ways to make the community better. But I'm just, I'm amazed at the creativity in our listening audience. People like you who are seeing solutions and seeing ways that we can make things better. There's a phrase that was um, really introduced in Star Trek movies called the reality distortion field. But that phrase was adopted by Steve Jobs. Now, Steve Jobs got his teams to do the impossible over and over again. You know, he wanted an iPhone that would do all these features. The engineers would say, gee, that's not possible. And he says, I know, but I want you to do it anyway. You know, he discovered that there was a glass that had been kind of invented, but never produced in any significant way at all. But it was much better than plastic to cover the screen. You know, plastic breaks easily, it gets scratched. He wanted this glass, a real high. Well, he talked to the company that had kind of rights to that glass, had done the initial development of it, and they said, well, you know, we might be able to do that over a couple-year period of time. And he said, no, I need it in, in six weeks. And they're like, well, that's, you know, obviously impossible. But in engineering, impossibility. And he was like, well, I know, but you know, I want you to do it anyway. Well, and they, and they actually did. I mean, those stories are infamous. I mean, Henry Ford, when he decided to produce the famous V8 motor, V8 motor, I mean, that wasn't something that had ever been done. He chose to build that engine with the eight, entire eight cylinders cast in one block. And he instructed his engineers to produce a design for the engine. Well, the design was placed on paper, but the engineers agreed absolutely every single one of them to a man that it was simply impossible to cast an eight cylinder engine block in one piece. And Ford replied, produce it anyway. I mean, that's, if we want unreasonable success, we have to first believe we can change the world. We have to believe in and create our own reality distortion field. See something where logic 
and past history tells us it can't be done, say, okay, how can it be done? How could we actually do that? I mean, every great invention was started with that kind of scenario. It can't be done. I mean, people told you with cars, if you move the human body more than like, you know, 25 miles an hour, the human heart would explode. <laughs> well, we know that didn't actually happen. There's a whole lot of things that have been um, proven to be wrong that were common beliefs or common myths. No, people came up with a vision of how it could be better and just went for it anyway. So sometimes it's just to create a clear vision of what you want. Then make your vision greater than your fear. Had a group call yesterday, and that was one of the phrases that somebody came up with. That's how you accomplish big things. Make your vision greater than your fear. I remember real clearly when Jared, our son, did go to Rwanda in Africa the very first time. He said this. He said, I am a bit intimidated by the magnitude of this project and the possibility of it affecting so many lives, but I'm equally excited and I know I have the passion and determination to see it through, even if I'm shaking in my boots. My passion for these people always exceeds my fears of inadequacy. In realizing that, I regain the confidence I need. Now there's a key for overcoming your fears of inadequacy. My passion exceeds my fears. I mean, stay in tune to what you're passionate about. Your calling will release a passion for what you're doing, and that will in turn override your fears of inadequacy. Now, I talk a lot about, you know, working at work you love. I mean, certainly title of 48 Days to the Work You Love. I mean, it's a common theme, my central theme for the work that I've been doing for many years and will continue to do so. You'll never work more willingly, more passionately and fearlessly than when you work in line with your passion. I mean, that extra boost of enthusiasm and energy generated by a clear passion will propel you to a level of success that seems to be impossible. So if fear is crippling you or limiting you, maybe you're not trying to work in something that lines up with your passion. I mean, just having a raw ability alone is not enough to keep you going. Now, another kind of phrase I want to introduce here is we sometimes hear the term fake it till you make it. You know, you're not a success, but just, you know, pretend you are, you know, be the, be the wizard behind the curtain. You know, there's pretend to be bigger than life. Well, uh, my friend Tom Ziegler uh, talks about this, talked to him about one time, this idea of fake it till you make it. He says, they don't use that at the Ziegler organization, but he does believe in telling the truth in advance. Now think about the change there. Just think about how you feel. Fake it till you make it seems kind of sleazy. What if you tell the truth in advance? I mean, there are a lot of ways we can indeed tell the truth in advance. I mean, real estate agents are typically told to go out and buy a really nice car right when they start selling. That gives the impression of success. And customers have more confidence in someone who's successful. I mean, David Hancock, I mean, a lot of you know him, CEO and founder of Morgan James Publishing. He had a vision for being a, a book publisher where the author had more control and more profit than was possible with one of the big six New York publishers. So there were six big New York publishers, and then there were hundreds of small independent publishers. He didn't want to be 
either one of those. He didn't want to be one of the big six necessarily, and he didn't want to be just one more wannabe. So he wanted to do something different. So one of the things that he did, and I, this is really cool, he lives in Virginia, but he got a New York address. New York is where all the major publishers were. So he got a New York address. Now he got an address simply by paying a tiny monthly fee for that mailing address. But then he announced to the world that the world headquarters for Morgan James Publishers were right there in New York, right along with the big publishers. And today he is arguably the seventh largest publisher in the world. So my question to you is this, what are you doing to harness the wind in your world? What is it that you, where you see something that's needed or things are wrong? I mean, when you do, there's an opportunity to do the hard work to create a solution. What is it that irritates you about something in your community, in your neighborhood, in your home, at your work, a larger need you see in the world? I mean, there's a lot of things out there. I mean, Scott Harrison was blown away when he realized so many people were drinking dirty water and getting sick from it. He thought, how complicated can that be? And so he created Charity Water as major support from lots of people. Has done incredible work to bring clean water to a lot of people. That was a big project. But once he got passionate about it, he said, well, we ought to be able to solve this. And he's done a lot to create a solution for that big world problem. So what is your challenge? What is it you want to create? What is it you want to do? It may be something small, maybe a better piece of cardboard to put on the spokes of your bicycle. You know, it may be providing electricity to a community. It may be something right here where you live, where you know the need is there, and we're just used to doing things in the same way, but you know there's got to be a better solution. So here's your step-by-step process for harnessing the wind for what you care about most. Number one, recognize a necessity you'd like to address. Number two, see varied ways your areas of competence could be put to use. Number three, create your own reality distortion field. Just claim it as being possible, even if everybody else says it's impossible. Number four, tell the truth in advance. Number five, make your vision bigger than your fear. Number six, know your passion will overcome your fears of inadequacy. Number seven, Create a solution that will change the world. I love that sequence. I love believing that we can do that. I mean, I'm a big believer in things that other people say are impossible. I love being challenged. You know, it's one of those where somebody says it's impossible. It's like, watch me. Now, I don't want to do crazy things that are going to be dangerous or harmful, but when there are real solutions that need to be found, let's jump in there. And I'm sure a lot of you have the solutions right at your fingertip. You know what could be done. You know what it would take to create a solution that would address a challenge, a problem, a necessity. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Again, keep shooting those in to me at askdan at 48days.com. A lot of you are involved in the Eagles community at this point. We see your questions in there. A lot of interaction going on there where people are sharing ideas and resources, helping each other, lifting each other up, and seeing the success of everybody increase. Thanks for that. But 
Thanks for listening, for being open to growing, for being a powerful force, for making the world a better place, and for believing without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.